0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I just wanna ask one quick favor before we jump into this episode. You know, I've been organically growing this podcast for over five years, and I need your help to keep the momentum going. There's two things you can do. One is leaving a five-star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a lot easier. You'll see the rating button right at the top. Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down the page a little bit and you'll see a write a review button. Additionally, if you want to share this out with your audience on your social channels, text it to a friend or colleague or family member, whatever you have to do to pass this along to individuals that you find may need to help and may be looking to get started. So either of those things or both of you like would be appreciative so I can get this podcast out to more individuals and we can help more people get started and move in the right direction to a more happy and fulfilling life. So thanks again for your help and grateful to have you here on another episode. Let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Bob Berg. For over 30 years, Bob Berg has been successfully showing entrepreneurs, leaders, and sales professionals how to communicate their value and accelerate their business growth. Although for years, he was best known for his sales classic, Endless Referrals, it's his business parable, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann that has created a worldwide movement. While part of a four-book series, the Go-Giver itself has sold more than 1 million copies and been translated into 30 languages. It was rated number 10 on Inc. Magazine's list of the most motivational books ever written and was on HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. Bob is founder of the Go-Giver Community Network, the first-of-its-kind online business community created by and for Go-Givers. He is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and served on the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his town of Jupiter, Florida. I hope you all enjoy this fantastic conversation I got to have with Bob. So without further ado, please welcome in Bob Berg. Bob, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, good morning, Brian. Great to be with you. Yeah, good to good to chat with you. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while, so glad we were able to uh, set this up. And, you know, obviously we're going to get into the Go-Giver, by the way. I have the book right here. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm sure you've heard this multiple times, not just <laughs> a few. Uh, awesome book, man. I, I really love this story uh, for sure. And, and one of the things, too, that's interesting is I heard about the Go-Giver probably about seven years ago now. But I kind of heard like in passing or some of the principles of it, but never actually read the book. I wasn't a big reader uh, prior than a couple of years ago. So when I finally picked up the book, I read it in like four days. The story just kind of flows really nicely. And I'm sure, again, you've heard that, but I just wanted to say that up front. I really enjoyed the story, and I think there's definitely some powerful lessons in there. Sure. Thank
1: you. And I had a, an awesome co-author, John David Mann, who was really the lead writer, storyteller.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of a how-to guy myself. I'm step one, step two, step three. So yeah. uh it was a it was a really fun collaboration and John did just such a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, and I want to touch on a couple points there. And if we talked yesterday, we would have started in a different spot. But then I wake up today and I've had some things on my mind. I'm always kind of thinking about, you know, just how to become better, you know grows a person those type of things and I wake up this morning in my normal morning routine and then two things pop up. So first is I always read the first thing I always read or one of the first things is Seth Godin's blog and Seth, and yeah and Seth's blog comes in this morning I'm gonna I'll give a quick overview of it but basically along the lines of he talks about in terms of honesty and, and giving out information, and one of the things he said, he's like, when we're engaging with someone, both sides benefit. A key part of our contribution to the interaction is a willingness to conceal emotions that would undermine the efforts of our partner in this work. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit and giving parts of it, but really about kind of honesty and directness. And then a few minutes later, I read a post that you had on LinkedIn and about, and I'm going to read it here if you don't mind. Those who take pride in being brutally honest are typically more, much more interested in being brutal than they are in being honest. Honesty, of course, should be a very high value. Tact and kindness when communicating a truth should be as well. It also happens to be much more persuasive. And then you ask a question about, have you ever known a, diff- a difference in effectiveness in terms of you know how you interact with people in terms of your honesty? So I thought, actually, if it's okay, we'll start there because it's something I've been thinking about a lot of I used to be well. Super... It was
1: an effectiveness, and, and please forgive me for interrupting. Oh. I, I don't mean to, but I want to make sure that the lit view gets the point. I, I when I asked the question, I didn't say in terms of your honesty. I believe I said in terms of the way it's communicated.
0: Cur- yeah, correct. Let me let me That's read it. Thank the... you for yes. So, have you ever noticed a difference in effectiveness and results regarding those leaders, friends, spouses, etc., who communicate their honesty brutally, and those who do so tactfully, thoughtfully, and kindly? So with that question, again, like I said, the the reason I wanted to start here because Seth's blog kind of made me think, and then I saw this and I'm like, wow, this is actually something that's been on my mind recently around, you know, I used to always be the one never said anything. I was kind of scared of, you know, my own voice. And then I kind of went the other direction. I found that being very direct with people in a kind way actually helped out. And it was a way that most people were scared to even expose information and share. But if you can do it in an effective way it could actually open up people to talk because a lot of people maybe don't want to. So that's a long winded way to start the conversation, but I'm curious your thoughts about that. How you've changed your kind of mindset or opinion on honesty and kind of the effectiveness of sharing information and how that could be helpful for others that are maybe looking a different way to interact with folks.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't see any, um, you know, disconnect or incongruency with Seth's, you know thoughts and in, in mine. Um, you know I think what happens is is sometimes people read and we didn't have any readers commenters saying this on the LinkedIn one. Although when I posted it on Facebook recently, there were again ninety percent of the people were in agreement, but about ten percent of the people said, "Oh, so you're saying not to be honest," and I I didn't get why they thought that. Right? Because right. first I said those who are interested in being or who uh, who take pride in being brutally honest first of all let's look at a few parts of this take pride in mm-hmm. okay being brutally honest what is brutal brutal doesn't mean honest brutal means uh you know uh meanness it means hammering somebody it means it means destroying so you know it means brutal We're, brutality right um so if you're taking pride in being brutally honest honest so in other words you're taking pride in being brutal right. you're probably more interested in, in the brutality part uh, you, you like that brutality part as opposed to the honesty part mm-hmm. then the very next sentence i said honesty should be a very high value so again how someone could kind of take that what i was saying uh, was to not be honest or to be and, and uh, somebody used the word you know pussyfooting footing around or or um Walking on eggshells or none of that was, was what I was saying.
0: Yeah. And again, most people got that. Well, and I think, well, and that's where, uh, again, with what you'd said, and then Seth, I was like, yeah, this is actually, I think this is the the way to approach a lot of conversations. And sometimes, as you know, it's, it's about what you don't say. You know there is an opportunity to not hide things, as you're saying, but actually being able to understand when to talk and when not, when to share information. It's all and important.
1: Not. It's all important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the key is, you know, what's your intent? When your intent is to is to share information that is going to help this other person, well, that's your intent. Now, what wh- is the best way to do that? By being honest or by lying? Well, obviously, being honest. Yeah. Okay is the best way to be honest by being brutal or being kind and tactful Well, probably kind and tactful is there ever a cause for brutal honesty sure there is there's a time and place for it you might need to to be brutal to some the key is are you wanting to be brutal Mm -hmm. or are you doing it because it's the only way that you've discovered in this case to get through to that person so there's many levels to that that statement though i don't to me, it seems very intuitive, uh, but you have to think about it. And if you just look at uh, someone saying brutal honesty, uh, you know, uh, taking pride in brutal honesty as being you don't believe in being honest, uh, you know, it's almost it's hard to begin a conversation. from right. there. You, <laughs> right. know I mean? you know what I'm saying? Well, uh,
0: honesty is very important. <laughs> well, and you know, the thing is, too, and I, I don't know if you hear this. I've, I've heard this more in recent years sometimes. Not that you get in an argument, but of a date, a debate with folks and they might be like. Uh, and I'm sure I've caught myself saying this. I'm is like I'm just being authentically myself. But I, but to your thing, I'm like, well, if authentically yourself, though, is being brutally honest and being mean and hurtful, well, that doesn't mean that's a good thing. you know? No, like it' doesn't, not. that's not I, like a disguise of like, you know, just because I'm authentic, I'm going to talk the way I talk. I'm like that's not right. a way to treat people.
1: You bring up a great point here, and i've I've written about this as well, And that is that it seems like since the advent of social media, there's this, there's this new definition of authenticity or this definition, I'd say, I wouldn't say new, but I'd say that it's been taken to an illogical extent. Mm-hmm. And that is authenticity means you have no boundaries and that that's good, right? right? Yeah. And, and no, of course not. This is like the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell at people a lot. And if I were to act any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. That's baloney, that's hogwash. It simply means this person has an authentic problem yeah. that they need to authentically work on in order to become a better, higher, more effective, authentic version of themselves. Um, no, and and I, here's how I would define authenticity, okay? Authenticity is simply acting congruently with your values, mm. that's it. It doesn't mean, is, is kindness a value? Then it means you act kindly is honesty a value I mean that if yes then it means you act honestly yeah, you know what i'm saying is mm-hmm. uh, whatever you, that is um but but yeah to think that authenticity now means no limits just say whatever you want and that's the highest value someone should have i i think that's so incorrect so counterproductive to you know to effectiveness
0: well with that is there anything that you found in in kind of your journey of let's say someone is looking at a way of hey, I want to I want to understand my values. Maybe they haven't done any practices to figure out, or maybe they 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 do recognize this. Come back to self awareness that God, I do have some anger issues, and I want to you know get better at this. Is there any yeah. things that you have found that have worked in terms of finding that self awareness, being able to you know recognize maybe where some of the the pitfalls we each have, um, and, and get well, to a better spot. Yeah,
1: there are some good books out there on the, on the topic. Um, and, uh, but really it comes down to, to kind of having a meeting with yourself, first of all, and just going through and, you know, there's, there's lists you can look up on the internet and, and look up, you know, core values list, and it will show a whole bunch of core values that somebody might have. That's great. Go through those. Um, you can, you uh, uh, again, they they have them in in plenty of books. You can you can pick up. You can do discussions discussions with people. What are what are the different values that somebody might have? Now the thing is to go through those and ask yourself what are mine. But here's the tricky part: it's not what should be mine, okay? And mm-hmm. and assuming those are, and maybe they should be, but they're not yet.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, it's also not. What does the world say should be my highest values? Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's also something we need to, to avoid. No, we need to be very honest with ourselves. We need to be very truthful with ourselves. What is it that we value? What do we hold as our highest values? And by the way, they're not all equal. We, there's a, a continuum on how much, on to what degree we value something. But those, you know, those things at the very top of the list that truly are our highest values, um, unless we are operating congruently with them, we can't be happy, Hmm. (laughs) right? Because we're incongruent with ourselves, right? So it, it, it can't happen. Now, if there are ones that you feel you should have values that you should have that you don't, let's say something like empathy. And you might say, you know, I know empathy is a very high value, especially if I'm going to be an effective leader, an effective family member, an effective friend. Empathy is a very high value. But, you know, I really just don't have a lot of natural empathy for people. That's a great start. The first thing I would do is congratulate you for recognizing that because it's only when, we're, when, when we are aware of an issue that we're even in a position to go about working on it constructively, okay. So now you say, well, how do I develop more empathy? And you start to go on a trek to, you know, to do that. Again, you can you can read on it, you can study it, you can, you know, you can really what you do is you you, you start, you know, thinking to yourself, you know, even though I don't. And if you look at empathy by diction by dictionary definition, it's the identification with or vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings. Mm-hmm. You might say, well, but I don't understand how people feel. I just don't kind of feel that way. And they say, that's okay. Because really the fact is we can't really understand how another person feels because we're not them. Right. So I'd say, right. give yourself a break, right? We, we don't know. We all come from our own set of beliefs and experiences and ways of looking at the world. However, what we can do is we can understand that another person is feeling something. Mm-hmm. And that this something is distressful to them. And we can care about that. We can we can communicate, not just in what we say or, or how we say it, which is also important, but just by being, showing up in such a way that we're there to, to, to help. Um, the key, though, is to start doing it, you know, to start to start allowing yourself to feel that way okay to, to care yeah and it's it's amazing you know we think well you have to feel a certain way first before you can act that way absolutely not at all i remember first reading in dr david schwartz's classic the magic of thinking big when he when he he taught me <laughs> i read it in the 80s of course it was that he wrote that uh i guess just a year after i was born but um That he said, you know, we think that we have to feel a certain way to act a certain way. It's just the opposite. We act our way into feeling, right? You know, if you feel sluggish and lazy and, you know, well, don't wait to feel, you know, up and energetic before you act that way because you could be waiting a really long time. Instead, straighten up, walk tall, walk fast, go with purpose, and you'll start, the physiology will actually control the feeling, okay? It's the same with, with empathy. Okay, we don't know how that other person feels, but we can we can certainly imagine they're feeling something. Why? Because we felt something. Yeah, we felt something. Right. And so we can just imagine that they're feeling something and then we can be there with that person. And when we do this and we act our way, that's not being inauthentic. That's actually acting our way into our highest authentic self. As we start to do that and we see how effective it is and we see that, yeah, we can be empathetic, right? Uh, now, it, it, we build on that. We build on our small successes and
0: it comes to us and we become more empathetic. Now we are more empathetic. Well, and it's a growth thing. I mean, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. So if we know oh. that this is gonna be a long journey, just kind of filling up the glass, if we use that kind of visualization, like just a tiny little, you know, one drop at a time, that's all we need, Absolutely. right?
1: Building your small successes—that is—that is one of the keys to, to changing a, a you know a trait, to, to turning what I call turning a weakness into a strength, right? We've got to first be aware of it, and you know, uh, it all it all all change begins with awareness. Mm-hmm. Then we have to have a desire to change because we can know we have an issue, but if we don't care, yeah, and you know, we're not motivated to change it. Well, we're not going to change. So we have to have that desire. Then we learn a system for doing so. Then we take action on that system. And then five, the final one is, as you just said, build on your small
0: successes, take pleasure in that small
1: success and use it as a
0: springboard. Yeah. I think that that was a big thing for me learning is like the refining of it. So like, I think you made a great example of like, you may not have empathy, but kind of having that perspective that, all right, if I feel a certain way, well, other people maybe feel different. And after maybe you have a conversation or, or interact with someone, being able to sit back and be like, ah, okay, that was different. Recognizing it. And then again, building on it versus just kind of walking away and, you know, forgetting about it ever happened, but doing that mm-hmm. work to be, you know, be understanding of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to tie in, I, I kind of, this is a, a slight sideways around, you know, the back door to, to go giver, but I'm kind of curious with, you know, obviously y'all wrote this many years ago. Right? What was about 15 years ago or so to first yeah, publish, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get into some of this, I'm kind of curious, if you had to write it today, would you add anything else to that? The, so if we, just a, the law of value, law of compensation, law of influence, law of authenticity, law of, I always butcher this word, receptivity, law of receptivity. Would you add anything today if you wrote it 15 years later? Uh, no, no. The principles are principles. They they kind of withstand the test of
1: time. Uh, and especially when you think about it, none of these principles are anything that John and I made up. Uh, these are all, you know, these have been utilized by successful people since time immemorial, certainly as long as there have been market economies. Uh, now, not everybody knew they were doing this, of course. A lot of people did it, in, you know, intuitively or whatever. Um but uh, no, these are all universal laws and principles that that uh, withstand the test of time. Now, of course, strategies and tactics and those things, they change over time, of course, with, with various technology and different media platforms and so
0: forth. But no, nah, the principles stay the same. Is there, when you're like speaking or, or kind of meeting folks, you know, out and about, is there one of these five that comes up more than anyone else of like maybe they struggle with the most? Oh, Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Receptivity, law
1: law number five. Uh, This one says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And that can be the toughest for people to really grasp on an emotional level. Uh, Really what this law means is that we need to understand that, yeah, we breathe out, but we also have to breathe in. It's not one or the other. It's both. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in excuse me, oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts, but the world around us, Brian, has given us a totally different message. The anti-prosperity messages put out there by the world around us with many people from uh, upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, uh, movies, um, uh, social media, popular culture, cultural mores, you'd think that you know someone who makes a lot of money does it on the backs of others or by nefarious means or through, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a big world. There's people who do that, of hmm. course. Um, but most people, and I guarantee you all of us, uh, no one's forced to buy from us. So in order to make a lot of money, we have got to provide immense value to the lives of a lot of people. right Right? Right. and you know which is the basic basic premise of the go giver um and so not only is 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 giving and receiving not opposite concepts they're really simply two sides of the very same coin Mm -hmm. and they work in tandem it's not are you a giver or a receiver no you're a giver and a receiver uh it's both but we do need to know that the giving comes first This, again, this is universal law. These are laws of nature, um, human nature, economic nature, physical nature. We we plant before we harvest, Right. right? We sow before we reap. It's not the other way around
0: right?
1: Uh, We give before we receive. It's like Pindar, the main mentor in the story, said to Joe, the protege, some people approach a fireplace with the attitude of first you give me some fire and some heat, then I'll throw on some logs and some newspaper and light a match. Well, it doesn't work that way. You don't go into a bank and say, hey, I want to open up an account, but first you give me an interest payment. Mm -hmm. Then I'll open up. Life doesn't work that way. And successful people deal in truths. So yes, we focus on the giving and then we need to allow the receiving. But again, you've got a problem with so many horrible messages out there that people are inundated with since the time they're babies, and it gets into the unconscious, and there's a real disconnect when they get older. If, if they grow up with values of, of honesty and integrity and kindness and so forth, but they've been taught through, you know, and their unconscious has absorbed from every movie and newspaper and television show and School and all these things that if you if you make a lot of money, you did it, you know, in a bad way. Well, what happens? There's a clash between the conscious and the unconscious. And we know, you know, the unconscious is uh, always going to come out ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like, right in line with that. I grew up with the thought of and maybe just coming from a small town or kind of modest means, you know, kind of middle class type, and uh, not having a or feeling like I didn't have a lot. In reality, when I look back, I had a lot more than most. But um, when I was growing up, it was kind of that idea of like, yeah, if you have a lot of money, bad, or not, you know, you're not do whatever, And but hey, if you live, you know, not like that, if you actually are giving a lot, if you're, you know, not worrying about money, well, then you're a better person. And I've come to obviously change my thinking on that. But it's to your point. It's like, we somehow equate like, if you're, if you're, quote, unquote, successful, meaning maybe you have some wealth, that you're a bad person. And that's not the case. Exactly. Yeah,
1: it's too bad. And that's been, you know, that's the. And that's the message Hollywood gives us, and it's the message the media gives us, and uh, unfortunately, it's it's one that a lot of people buy into. So uh, that's one reason why I think it's so important to study prosperity.
0: you know, how, uh, there's well, how do people? Sorry, sorry I didn't mean you're up there. How no. do people then with you talking about prosperity? I want I want you to finish your thought on that. But I guess with that is how do people start to receive if they've never done that before? Well,
1: you know, uh, again, as you said, you build on your small successes. Um, You, uh, first of all, you you become, it starts with that five-step process where you're first aware of it, right? You got to be aware that this is an issue. Remember, for most people, it's unconscious. They don't even realize Mm -hmm. they have an issue with receiving until it's brought up, you know, to the forefront, okay? But once they understand that, now they've got to say, okay, do I have a desire to change this Mm -hmm. and become more receptive to live in a place of abundance, Right. Uh, uh, Live on the creative plane instead of the competitive plane uh, to to be able to receive that which I have earned and receive it with gratitude. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, then a system for doing it. And that's just, you know, I would say that it begins with a lot just allowing Mm -hmm. yourself to receive when someone gives you a compliment and you find yourself going, oh, no, 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 you know, know, whatever. Instead, why did I do that? what is that based on what you know why do i feel that's the appropriate answer and maybe instead you catch yourself and you say oh thank you so much it's very kind yeah right and you start doing that and you start building on those small successes um uh, and keep repeating the action And again like you said it doesn't go you know it doesn't happen overnight another thing though is to start subscribing to uh, reading books on prosperity, subscribing to the blogs and the podcasts and watching the videos of people like Randy Gage and David Nagel and Sharon Lecter and Ellen Rogan and uh, the late Bob Proctor, Ken Honda, all these people who have wonderful, wonderful information on prosperity. And, you know, 99% of what they teach is, is simply how to, to get rid of those blocks to your prosperity, yeah. Because everybody, you know, we all know how to to do things, add value to the marketplace that are going to bring in income. But unless you're able to get past those blocks, it just isn't going to happen. And that's what these. So I, I think studying prosperity is one of the best ways to to learn how yeah. to become more prosperous. But again, it, it's it's taking the action to do that.
0: Yeah. Well, and when you were talking. It kind of clicked in my head. I'll just kind of use myself as the as the uh, example here. But when you were talking about the receiving, I remember this with uh, you know, and and I one I appreciate. I know you were really um, helpful, kind of getting the word out with my second children's book. Um, so I appreciate that. But my first one, Luke's first round of golf, I remember sitting with my mentor. It was actually downstairs in my house. Here we we're having coffee, and he made some comment about the book, and I said, "Well, it's just a children's book," and he stopped me. He got really upset, and he's like, "Brian." You wrote a book. I don't care if it's a children's book or a novel. It doesn't matter. He's like, you need to be appreciative of yourself and, and give yourself kind of some grace that you did that. You put the work in. And mm-hmm. I, for some reason, it was like, I couldn't accept, just say like, thank you very much. Like I had to make almost like a excuse, like to almost to belittle myself. Yeah. And it's, just, yeah. I don't know, it's, it, it, I guess that's maybe other people go through that a lot. I, I find myself, oh, that's, a, that's a struggle. Absolutely. Wow. i've been through that myself it's yeah. fair until somebody brought to, that
1: to my my mind yeah. that i did that and then i i had to say oh wow you know they're right another problem i had was that i just would not allow the other person to pick up a check and 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 um i finally you know a person said to me you know it really is kind of an insult to to someone else you know i said Uh, You're always picking up the check. It's almost like you feel no one else can, you know, wow, that's right. I do that all the time. And I had to, you know, and the first time I let someone pay for a meal, wow, it was tough. (laughs) But then it got easier and easier. And you just, you know, I mean, it's all these things. We're all human. We all have our stuff, you know, And, and typically we don't even know where it comes from, but we have it. (laughs) <laughs> and again that's why it's so important to to continually go through this and think about these things question our premises when we're doing something that is counterproductive to our sense of happiness
0: yeah
1: that we ask ourselves why why did i do that why did i make that choice you know the best book i think i ever read on this topic it was published in 1960 by dr maxwell maltz it was called psycho cybernetics it is a magnificent, magnificent book, uh, and it, it was really the first book that taught me that everything we do, everything we think, everything we feel, everything we say, everything we do, is based on our own individual belief system, and it's a, a, you know, what is a belief? A belief is a subjective mm-hmm. truth. It's the truth as we understand the truth to be, which doesn't mean it's the truth. Right. It's simply our truth, which is really nothing more than a belief right and again we're given these beliefs we're we're tiny little babies and we're getting these beliefs from everyone from our parents from people around us then as we get a little older from our environment from our teachers from our neighbors from the, you know everything we see right by the time we're little more than toddlers we're our our basic way of seeing the world understanding our world is pretty much etched in stone so we grow up uh subject to what i call an unconscious operating system where we think we're making choices out of strength and free will when really we're operating within a uh a matrix if you will if you remember the first movie oh, right yeah. uh right, right and uh and we think we're you know do- but no we're controlled by by our only in this case it's not by machines it's by our beliefs and this is what really Dr. Maltz talked about in his book. And as he said, you know, you can never uh, achieve anything more than your most limiting belief, mm. right? So, um, yeah. And so once we understand that, now we understand why so much of what we do, we don't understand. Right. We don't know why we're doing it. Why are we making these choices that are obviously not in our best interest, right? Or the best interest of those we love or what have you? Well, because it's being ruled by our belief system but where did it come from and how do it right? And that's why, you know, I'm often saying, check your premises. Just keep asking yourselves questions. Why do I think that way? Who did I learn it from? Why do they believe it? Who
0: did they learn it from, right? And, yeah. and so forth. Well, I think this goes back to, too, maybe this is a good way to kind of end our conversation is <clears throat> almost circles back to values a little bit, but the idea that we don't know it all, so we can't assume other people that have differing opinions are bad people, or they're somehow very, you know, they're, they're very inhumane because they think differently than us. And again, it's one of those things. It was so struggle for me growing up is like, I was very close minded. I had similar, like, these are my beliefs and whatever. And once I started exposing and, and the biggest thing was like, where am I wrong? Like, that was the question I started to ask myself was where could I be wrong? And it's amazing how it just opens you up to be like, wow, maybe these beliefs are not founded in anything. It's a bunch of crap, you know? I'll tell you a great,
1: a great book on that. Pardon me for turning my back to you. No, no. Uh, a great book on that. It came out about a year and a half ago from Adam Grant. He had written uh, Give oh, and Take yeah. several years yeah. ago. It's called Think Again: The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. This, to me, is about the most important book of today's day. Because, you know, in a world now that's so divided, in which so many people are absolutely not only sure that they're right and that the other person's wrong, but that, as you said, the other person is evil. Or, you know, this is an absolutely wonderful book on being able to understand our own thought processes and how to discover when we're wrong. Yeah. And also how to actually become more persuasive because we're operating from a, a place of truth.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. I, well, we see this a lot with the political landscape nowadays, right? Sure. It's like, oh, if you're on the whatever left, the right is wrong. And I'm like, well, are they? I mean, again, every, everyone has their opinions on different stuff. It's like you could. I think you could dis. It's coming back to you can disagree, but also have respect, right? Yeah, we could, we could disagree yeah. wholeheartedly, but we also have respect for one another that they are entitled to those opinions, and they're and they got those for some way, and maybe they're going. Yeah. Oh.
1: Well, it's also. You know, the and I, I go back to, and I've made this statement plenty of times that it used to be in the political landscape. It used to be, I'm right, I'm, I'm right, you're wrong, which, you know, isn't, a, isn't ideal, but it's a starting point because at least you'll dialogue with the other person who you think is wrong. Okay. Now it's, I'm right, you're evil. Mm, yeah. And this is where communication never gets to happen because why bother if the other person's evil, right? right? Evil cannot be reformed. And that's kind of what we're doing now. And this is why I say to people, if you're on the political left, watch some of the TV programs and listen to the radio and read some of the books and articles from those on the right. If you're on the political right, do the same with those on the left. Watch their shows, read their books, read articles, not to agree with them. You don't have to agree with them, but so that you understand why they think what they think. Yeah. Because if you don't understand, if you're not willing to understand why a person thinks a certain way, you are not in a position to be able to persuade them, Yeah. okay? Uh, There's a wonderful book I have on my shelf somewhere up there uh, called, oh, The Righteous Mind by by Professor Jonathan Haidt, spelled H-A-I-D-T, and he breaks down the thought processes of both the political left and the political right and why they think the way they do i read the book probably seven or eight years ago it's an absolute eye-opener you you'll never again no matter which side of the aisle you're on will look at the other side with such disdain again once you understand why they think the way they think yeah right and so again doesn't mean you have to agree but uh but uh although you'll probably change some of the things or or the severity of of what you're right Um, but doesn't mean you have to agree with them. But when you understand them at least, now you come at it from a totally different viewpoint. And again, now connection and communication can occur, and
0: only at that point can persuasion ever occur. Yeah, and almost circles back to how we started with empathy. You know, it's like, yeah, we may not agree. And well,
1: and you know, you talk about in your compass framework character. You know, it all starts there. Right. So when your character is one of, you know, which includes what it includes understanding, it includes empathy, it includes kindness, it includes doing the right thing. It includes having the interest of of others. You know, now, uh, again, you're operating from that that foundation
0: where you're adding true value to the world. Wow, this is, I wish I could talk to you for a couple hours here. Um, I know we had a short time today, but obviously The Go-Giver, great book. Uh, Oh, thank you. Where can people say hello? You spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Anywhere else? Yeah, well, if they go to burg, B-U-R-G.com,
1: that's kind of where everything is, and they can connect with me on all, they will have the links to all social media. Uh, I also have a daily uh, impact email Mm. that I send out, actually Monday through Friday. Uh, so if they go on to uh, burg.com, uh they can find the, it might even pop up. I'm not sure if we have that, but probably, but anyway, <laughs> they can subscribe to the daily impact email and, and, uh, you know, get to
0: kind of know me that way as well. Awesome. Bob, any final thoughts, insights for the audience before I let you go?
1: Uh, just wishing everybody, uh, you know, we're already now at the time we're recording this, we're in just beginning March. So we're two, two months into the year. And I wish everybody a, a wonderful remaining 10 months, just kind of keep up the good work and, and uh, you know, see where you can add value to others and be willing to receive all the goodness that comes back to you and watch how, how things just begin to grow.
0: Awesome, Bob, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and I look forward to keeping in touch. Uh, thank you, Brian, likewise. Hey everyone, and just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianandreco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in. And have a phenomenal day.